1: Hi, welcome to the NASCAR NPC Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, joined today by NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett. And this is going to be a little bit of a different podcast than what I normally do. First of all, I should preface this by saying I was in Iowa Speedway covering an IndyCar race this past weekend, so I only saw two minutes of the NASCAR race, DJ. I know you watched the entire thing, but as it turned out, if there was going to be a race I was going to miss and do a podcast about, this would probably be the one. (laughs) Because (laughs) as I just said, normally this podcast, I take a lot of audio clips from what was said during and after the race and we discuss them. And in this case, a lot of things that were said after this race are now null and void because the top two finishers in this race, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, were disqualified within a couple of hours of the finish after NASCAR found something wrong with the front fascia of both cars. I just want to call up here what Joe Gibbs Racing had to say. Joe Gibbs Racing elected today not to appeal, and Joe Gibbs Racing said, In our review of the post-race infractions on the Denny, Hamlin, and Kyle Busch cars, it was discovered that a single piece of clear tape was positioned over each of the lower corners of the front fascia, ahead of the left front and right front wheel openings on both those cars. The added pieces were 2 inches wide and and 5.5 inches long, with a thickness of 0.012 inches, and installed under the wrap. This change in our build process was not properly vetted within our organization and we recognize it is against NASCAR's rules. We apologize to everyone for this mistake and we have made changes to our process to ensure this doesn't happen again. Toyota Racing Development President David Wilson also came out with a statement saying even though Toyota and TRD were disappointed with the DQs of Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, they applaud NASCAR's hypervigilance when it comes to policing the rules on the new next-gen car. And finally, I'll just say that Scott Miller, Vice President of Competition for NASCAR, after Joe Gibbs Racing elected not to appeal these penalties, he went on Sirius XM NASCAR radio Day and pretty much explained what you just heard there from Joe Gibbs Racing, that it was something that NASCAR discovered when they peeled back the wrap. They found these extra layers of vinyl coating, and the vinyl affected the vendor-supplied part. Yeah. And as Scott Miller said, with the next-gen cars we've been talking about since the beginning of the season... This is now a spec vehicle, which essentially means teams don't build their own parts and pieces anymore, and when NASCAR put this into place, the new next-gen concept, they told teams, if we find in any way that these parts and pieces are compromised, we are going to bring the hammer down. So, in this case, DJ, the hammer comes down for the first time in 62 years in the NASCAR Cup Series, we have a Cup winner disqualified. The last time, to Racing Insights' knowledge, Racing Insights does great work with all of our stats and research, last time a Cup winner was disqualified was April 17, 1960, at Wilson Speedway, with Manuel Zarakas won, but was DQ'd for an oversized gas tank, and Joe Weatherly was awarded the win. So apologize for the long preamble, but I felt yep. it was important to just lay out the facts. Yep. It's great to have you on here because you have terrific insight. And I know you watched the race, but we haven't heard from you yet on this. You were flying this morning. I haven't heard your thoughts on the production call. You weren't at Pocono, so we haven't heard your thoughts from the studio work that you do so well at the track. So
0: give us your opening thoughts on these penalties. I, I guess it was a shock to me, like most everyone. But now that we know basically the details, probably as much as we're going to, the understanding is clear. And I think I think it's years of doing things in a certain way before twenty twenty two with the next gen car that still entices crew chiefs, engineers, whatever they can to get a slight advantage, a little bit of help for their car, for their driver. It's just years of that process. Not saying that's right or has it been right before, but it was the way that you kinda did things. You had a tolerance. You had a gray area to work in a little bit. There is not that whatsoever with this. And the way that the cars now are not painted, there's not a bit of paint on them. They are wrapped. And doing something like this could be hidden. I started to hear now that maybe NASCAR has seen in some other areas. Uh, as they've taken wrap off of these cars at certain places, Just looking, just inspecting to make sure that the teams haven't been trying to do something. And and they found both of these cars, as you pointed out, 62 years since they disqualified. You know, we always wondered, would this happen? Or would just the the fine and penalty be so severe? You know, were they going to take a trophy away and a win away? And um, it's happened now. And I I don't think the teams will need any more of a wake-up call to (laughs) realize that you know, there's, there's no messing around uh, with the parts and pieces that are supplied here now that this is what could happen. So, uh, you know, it was a terrific race to watch. I think it had a lot of layers to it, a lot of different things. You could see just how difficult the cars were to drive at Pocono. Uh, a lot of spin-outs that we wouldn't see. Uh, even the man that won the race spun out on his own <laughs> yesterday, That's you right. know, and uh, or that – initially Took the, checkered the flag, yes, first. <laughs> uh, didn't, didn't get the yeah. win. So, just so many things that you saw there. And, and of course, we had our Ross and Danny moment. So, just so much, but for the first two to get disqualified. And the guy that never even led a lap in the race to be declared the winner.
1: And Chase Elliott, oh, by the way, now has five first or second place finishes in a row. He's got yeah. three wins in the last five races, Atlanta. Nashville and uh, at Pocono. And I want to get to that. And I, I want to get to Denny Hamlin versus Ross Justine too. Because like you said, DJ, eventful day for Denny. Starts on pole, scrubs the wall on the first lap, spins, comes back. We think wins the race, initially wins the race against his rival and has this controversial move. I, I want to get to all that, but I, I feel like we just got to get back to the penalty real yeah. quick and just put this in context because you said it. We have seen instances in the Xfinity and the Truck Series Over the last three decades, unfortunately, one involving you in an Xfinity race at Michigan. Michigan. And uh, one involving uh, Jeff Burton, who's going to be joining you here on Motor Mouse in a little bit, uh, as well, another Xfinity race. But, again, the last time this happened in Cup was 62 years ago, where they DQ'd a winner, day of. And this goes back to, in 2018... There were a lot of situations. NASCAR was still inspecting cars at the R&D Center three, four days after the event. And what really triggered it was Kevin Harvick won the playoff race at Texas Motor Speedway, two races out from the championship, qualifies, we think, for the championship round. And then NASCAR decides Wednesday, they don't take the win away, but they essentially said, you're not qualified now for the championship round. That's how much of a big deal we think that this penalty, this infraction that you committed was. I think it involved uh, the rear spoiler. Coming into the 2019 season, NASCAR tells teams, this actually predates the next-gen car, although they probably had the next-gen car in mind when they did this. NASCAR tells teams, we are now going to DQ teams on the day of. We're we're not going to take cars back to the R&D center anymore. This is the way we're going to do things now. And I think everybody presumed, because it wasn't just Harvick in 2018, there were a couple of other instances, I think Truex, maybe Hamlin, where guys were getting busted on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and huge penalties. And it was like, what are we doing here? Like, why doesn't NASCAR just strip these wins? So NASCAR says, hey, we're going to do it. And that's going to be our policy starting in 2019. Well, we go through 2019, 2020, 2021. No one got DQ'd. Now in 2022, next-gen car, it's happened. I've heard a lot of talk today, DJ, about like how NASCAR handled this, because the Denny Hamlin car and the Kyle Busch car got a lot of scrutiny in terms of the wraps and the uh, the, the fascia. That's how they found those things. Those things were not found on the scans that NASCAR did with the other top five cars. So Chase Elliott's car didn't receive the same level of scrutiny. What do you make of how NASCAR did this? Should they look at a more efficient process or are there things that they might need to address now going forward?
0: Yeah, I I think, unfortunately, uh, a lot that does happen is a learning process. And and this is the first real thing that we have seen uh, with somebody trying to, well, I guess Brad Keselowski and his team had their their issue. I think a lot of the talk is going to be of the what seems very minor, just a couple of pieces of tape literally added. And from the Joe Gibbs side, it's going to say one piece, and from NASCAR, it might be a little bit more. But it was so little that the wrap covered it and the scan didn't pick it up. And But they didn't put it on there if it wasn't going to be a help. They, right, didn't, right. they didn't do it just to be doing this. So I, I think it's a, a tough position. I, I've read things that fans are complaining about that, you know, it's the only sport where, you know, you go and you celebrate. And, you know, what if this was the championship race and the celebration had already taken place? I, there's just not – an I, I don't know of a better process and better way of doing this. I mean, you have to send the message. And, and I think, obviously, maybe points – Severe point penalties and severe fines aren't enough to deter these these teams from trying to get just that little bit that that separates them. You know, if it's only half a tenth uh, on a lap or something, you know, that might have been the difference of Chase Elliott being able to to run up there and, and challenge those two cars. Now, you know, Ross Chastain's car seemed to be able to to run with those guys and do very well there. So, you, you wonder. I, I don't. I don't unless they just if you take the top five and you do the same thing to all of them past the scanning point, then, then, then you're just making the process even longer yet uh, as to what may. So I, I don't have an answer to that. I feel that NASCAR will say that there are things that they have learned from this. And, you know, maybe there's a, I, I don't know, heck, are we going to get down to the point that the cars have to be wrapped at the track <laughs> after they go through inspection uh, the first yeah. day there? I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's just so difficult, but, There's only one way to stop it, and we've said this for years. And I can go back to my career uh, that you know, if you truly want to put a stop to something, then you take a race win away. Yeah, yeah. That that's what means the most to them. So I I, I feel quite certain we won't see this happen again. But but how do we speed this process up? And it's not right for the fans that left that racetrack. And watched Denny Hamlin celebrate on the front stretch there, do his donuts, his burnouts, put his daughter in the car with him after she went over and got the checkered flag and and you know, go to Victory Lane and enjoy all of that. And, you know, they went home. Heck, I left my house in Arizona and went and did some other things and it wasn't until later that I even had any idea that something had happened. So uh, I, I but I don't know. You know, it, it it's not gonna happen in other sports. Uh, simply because you don't have the process of what it takes to declare that that this car was legal,
1: and that was always NASCAR's reluctance. DJ to take wins away it was because Bill France Jr. said all the time, "When we when fans leave the racetrack, we want yep. them to know who the winner yep. was. We don't want them to find out later." And that I think opinion has changed, especially in the era of. The internet and yeah. social media and information traveling at light speed. So that's changed that game a little bit. I want to touch on a couple of things you mentioned. Just real quick, Brad Kislowski was penalized, I believe, 100 points for an improperly modified bumper cover. Similar to this, again, an improperly modified part that was supplied by a vendor. In that instance, they still randomly inspect one or two cars per week at the R&D Center. Mm -hmm. And that was an instance of they took 100 points away because that team doesn't have a win. Like, you can't take a win away from a team that didn't win. So the penalty has to be different. Scott Miller also said that if they tried to inspect every car with the same scrutiny they did Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch. Is Toyotas at Pocono, they'd be there till Wednesday. Yeah. It's not possible. He also said NASCAR doesn't know. He presumes it's an aerodynamic advantage. Like you said, they're not going to do this unless it helps the car. Right. But NASCAR doesn't do wind tunnel, tunnel testing, Scott yeah. Miller said. We don't care, he said, if it helps or not. We just told them we're not compromising the integrity of this car yeah. because this is the bet on the next gen. It's this new Model uh, that's supposed to save teams money and it's supposed to improve competition. Which jury is going to be out a little bit on the saving money part is always in racing, but (laughs) on the competition side, aside from a few instances with short tracks, I think we can say you can't argue there, right? It's it's been a success. We've we've had really good racing through what 22 races I believe so far this year. So I guess TJ, my question would be, (laughs) where do you stand on all of that, and do you think this is a hill sort of for NASCAR to die on with the next gen?
0: Yeah, yeah, and the the message is clearly sent now, Nate. I, I, I believe that the teams will see that NASCAR, you know, is going to, uh, until they feel confident that, and, and there will be an ongoing process because, you know, teams are always looking, but they have stated that with this car that one of the things that they wanted to do was any of the so-called uh, – <laughs> I don't like to call it cheating because I think they're just you know teams are just looking for ways to try to make things yeah. a little it's bit better. It's part
1: and parcel to racing. Yeah, it's what
0: racing's about. You push yeah. the envelope. And yeah, every you way do you can. that yeah. every week. But but with this with the parts and pieces that are supplied, uh, there there are no gray areas. It, it's, you cannot uh, mess with this. It there are things that you can repair. I know that they've talked about some doors uh, having some splits and things like that. Uh, you have to place an order that you repaired this uh, in the proper way. You know, I was telling that Jeff Burton and Steve Latart were telling me you can't even put bondo on this. It just and, and you can't put a primer over it to where I and you can put bondo in and fill it, but it has to be to its original condition. And but you, you know, it has to be visible. If they take that wrap off there. And see that, then they've got. They know that that's what you put in your order. That if if, it, if you didn't put it there, then then you're going to be in trouble with that. So I, I think they spoke loud and clear here. I hate it. I hate it for the sport uh, because it, it does put it in a bad light in this way. And, and I realize that people are going to say, you know, that's a huge fine for what seems like a minor infraction. But again, they wouldn't have been doing it if it wasn't an advantage to them in some way.
1: Yeah, but actually,
0: I think, DJ, some people might say, well, why wasn't it
1: bigger? Because Brad Keselowski got 100 points. These guys just essentially lost, you know, whatever. I I guess it would be 50 to 60 points or whatever it would have been for Denny winning this race. So this is where I want to bring you in on why a disqualification has added weight in terms of what it means for a team and why this works as a deterrent. Because... Disqualifying somebody from a win, I mean, it's not just like, hey, you lose your points, they lose their playoff points, they lose the victory. There's also some taint here that the team has to battle with outside forces, sponsors, fans, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that I think that's one of the biggest things is, is the repercussions that you get from the negative side of it. Uh, you know, sponsors don't like to be you know, they spend millions of dollars to have their name there and they don't like to be put in a bad light because you know people are automatically they're they're not gonna say bending the rules. They're gonna say they cheated. And I can't argue with that fact because it is cheating of the rules, uh, if you will. So the sponsors don't want that. The teams don't want that because, you know, here's Joe Gibbs racing that is out trying to sell sponsorship for Kyle Bush's team right now yes. and uh, so that they can keep him as a driver so you know this is not something that you appreciate their efforts in trying to do things better but you also know the rules especially with this next-gen car uh, of what you can and can't do that the side of saying okay of finding them points and a, and a big amount of money uh, well both of them already have wins so they're in the playoffs so that that doesn't doesn't do any good there so just simply taking that win uh, away from them that you got uh by by doing something that that others didn't do and, and won't do because of that so i i think it sends the message loud and clear and and uh you know it'll be an ongoing process somebody's going to find another area that they're going to try to do something but it's been like for years with the fuel in the car you know you don't mess you don't put any additive don't try to do anything uh with that because that that brings a, a big penalty and fine with it. And uh, losing a race win is huge. I mean, you know, from the driver's perspective, you worked your tail off to get yourself in this position. Denny was going to be the all-time uh, winner right. with seven, seven wins, wins at, at Pocono. Pocono. You know, it's a great day. Kyle Bush did everything but win there. And, and now to have all of that stripped away. And now, again, you've got on the other side of it, oh, yeah, we were disqualified.
1: The red line for NASCAR has always been, that I've heard, tires, fuel, and engine yeah. prior to Next Gen, And now with Next Gen, as we're talking about here, it's a new layer. You, you led me in the last point I want to make on this, DJ. Joe Gibbs Racing. Oh. This has been quite a season. They still don't have Kyle Busch signed. They've got Martin Truex Jr. coming back. They've got Christopher Bell winning a race. They've got all four cars in the playoffs right now. But Jeff Burton said it that he saw it on Joe Gibbs' face after Christopher Bell won at New Hampshire. And, you know, he was asked about Kyle Bush and he was asked about it again after Pocono. And I think both times Joe Gibbs said something to the effect of, this is not where we want to be. This is discouraging. It's surprising. You know Coach Joe well. You've driven for him. How do you think he and that organization are holding up right now? And can you compare this to any point that he's been through in the past or a team has been through in the past? I mean, because this has been a really tough year for them.
0: It has. And I think probably... Since they started racing at Joe Gibbs Racing in 1992, I can't think of a more difficult time. Obviously, uh, and I'm talking about the racing side itself, obviously Joe Gibbs lost a son, uh, J.D., who was a huge part of Joe Gibbs Racing and a huge part of their success, not only on the track, but off the track of having sponsors, keeping sponsors, having the right lineup of drivers. So, you know, that that obviously was a big blow to them. Uh, but as far as a racing season and so many things going on, uh, so many layers, no, you, you can see that, the the stress that it is putting on Joe Gibbs at this point in time. It has always been, I won't say an easy thing, but Joe has been very accommodating to sponsors. So he uh, is a big selling point for them. And I, he obviously still is, but – it's weighing on him a lot right now not being able to keep what is arguably one of the best drivers that's come through the sport and, and Kyle Busch and, and be able to satisfy his needs as a driver as far as compensation and getting the sponsor to to be able to run the car as you pointed out it looked like they might be losing Martin Truex Jr. Uh, at, at one point they did get him signed but you know now you've got the other side to you know, I'll turn this a little bit that if they have a positive thing, and then, as you said, they've got their, their cars in the playoffs. Uh, well, Martin Truex Jr. doesn't have that win yet, so but he's sitting in a position that he could. But then you think about Joe's grandson, who he's, Wanting to bring along at some point, yeah. but is this going? Is he going to be forced to do something sooner than later? I think he's deserving, and I think he proved that yesterday. Jumping in this very difficult car to drive and having an outstanding day at a very difficult track in Pocono, that Ty Gibbs did a just an amazing job, and uh, he ran a great race on Saturday. I mean, the end of that uh, Xfinity race between he and Noah Gragson was some of the best racing we've seen. So a lot of things, you know, as you get older in life, uh, stress. Put on your body uh, is not a good thing, and Joe's going through a lot right now. So hopefully they they did not need – it couldn't have come at a worse time for them. I, yeah. I, I'll just end it with that. There's never a good time to, for two of your cars to get disqualified, but – couldn't have come at a worse time for
1: them. Yeah, it's been a really uh, trying year for Joe Gibbs. Who, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, he he's recently turned 80 years old. At, at this point, I think he thought J.D. Gibbs would be in charge of this team. Unfortunately, tragically, J.D. Gibbs is is no longer with us. So this probably is his most difficult season. But as you said. Ty Gibbs, uh, top 20 in his cup debut, filling in for Kurt Busch. And as I promised, that's going to lead us the segue into talking about the race because there was so much to talk about. Here we are 20 minutes in. I apologize that we're finally yeah. getting to Pocono and we still have so much to cover. Denny Hamlin versus Ross Chastain, GJ. You mentioned it earlier. I kind of can't get over that people even are considering that, that this was some sort of takeout move by Denny no. Hamlin. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I, I don't understand how a driver could wreck somebody with their right rear which is essentially what people would be accusing Denny Hamlin of doing here he's in the lead he's he just he holds his line while Ross Chastain is on the outside and he essentially says hey Ross I'm going to race you as hard as you race me you either lift
0: or you wreck yeah and Ross unfortunately wrecked Ross had a choice he left him with a choice I'll I'll say this i you know I, I don't even I've tried to compare it to something else but you know if Denny Hamlin were a surgeon, he did a masterful <laughs> job right there in, in doing that. That that was as perfect as you could do without tearing up your race car or just knocking somebody, just spinning someone out. Could the right rear yeah, I mean it could have hit him and, and moved him up the track, but Ross had a choice to back out. Yep. Um, he chose not to. And yeah. and that's Ross's style. Um I, I didn't have a problem with that, you know, in in trying to think that, hey, this thing's gonna eventually turn, but you know, it, it didn't and um It was just the perfect move. If anyone was surprised that this happened, I mean, we were all sitting there ready to see what was going to happen on this restart. I mean, it was the perfect storm, you know, especially with Denny on the inside. Uh, It it couldn't have been set up any better, and, and you knew what was coming in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I think. You listen to Ross after it. He he handled it very well. He knew at some point in time that, and not the question was asked, was it over? I don't think he, he knows. Uh, I don't think Denny knows. Um, I would say, <laughs> hey guys, you know, enough's enough, and let's go racing because you're going to be around each other a lot, as as we've seen here. But if you're going to do something and, and pay someone back, unfortunately, I, I'll say if there's one big unfortunate thing that came out of it, that, Kevin Harvick had a really good car and. You know, it, it took him out of the race, basically. Right. And and that was the unfortunate side of doing that, especially at the front of the field. But you can't pick and choose your times. You have to. And I know that Denny wanted it to, to be a deal because Roscoe to won the race. And so he wanted it to hurt as much as he could without hurting him. Uh, and so that's what he did.
1: Yeah, and I think Denny... Didn't want to have anybody else involved. Yes. And that was unbeknownst to him at the time that, yep. that Harvick was, unfortunately, a byproduct, uh, collateral damage. But uh, so to your point, DJ, it, does it feel like this move was fair? Because it yep. it is different from, hey, Chastain, a gateway, and as we've seen Ross do with other drivers this year, he's using his front bumper to yep. move somebody. Yep. And
0: again, like, this is not... Denny didn't use his front bumper to turn him, right? So Ran him out of racetrack. That's all that he did, you know, to where the other driver has to make a decision. When you run into someone from the back in their left rear quarter panel, they don't have a decision in in that. Uh, There's no decision to be made uh, in, in that situation, except for the driver that's applying the hit there. Denny was not doing anything except giving Ross the opportunity to back out of this, and lose a couple of spots off of turn one there, and, and Ross chose not to do that. So um, I, I don't think there was anything wrong. Matter of fact, I think you know the way that he did it and handled it uh, again was masterful in, in a payback situation.
1: And as I mentioned, Denny gets disqualified. So Chase Elliott now five first or second in a row I haven't checked the points yet but I believe has now a massive regular yeah, has season to, points with lead on, problem. Yeah, yes. and Ross I think yeah. um, w- was also in the mixed yes. area and both of them obviously had bad days so Chase Elliott suddenly you know, we've been talking about all season yeah. you've been pointing it out we're waiting for that person to emerge with playoff points yeah. Chase Elliott now has several playoff points on the strength of all these wins and he's going to get even more when he wins this regular season championship yeah Oh, most likely in in five races. So there was a point, DJ, during this race. Elliot finished his first. Tyler Reddick finished his second. There was a point where they were battling really hard for third. Uh huh. Yeah. And probably did not realize that that was for the race win. Yeah, had no had no idea. Do you think guys look at that maybe differently now after a situation like this? Oh,
0: I don't know. You you have to look back on it and say, especially if you're. Tyler it, you know, was there some? But because I think he actually, that Chase put a little bit of distance between himself. But that's what you do for every single position. And, you know, you don't ever know in those situations, Are, are did those two cars, did they truly have enough fuel that were in front of him uh, to, to make it? So that's why you race so hard for every spot. So I don't think that they could have done anything different thinking or knowing something like that because they were doing everything they could. And, and you know, Chase might have thought if those two guys got to racing side-by-side, side, uh, Denny and Kyle Busch, uh, then, you know, he might be able to, to jump up there. And, you know, and, and plus the other thing you look at is, hey, if we have another caution, I want to be able to choose before you do as to where I'm going to line up. So a lot goes into the process of thinking uh, with, with each position, especially late in the race. Is Chase Elliott your championship favorite? Oh, he has to be right now. Yeah. You know, I, I I wasn't saying that for a long time because you know he was piling up top tens, but you know they they weren't. Of course, he didn't lead any laps yesterday either. But um, <laughs> pretty that, good to win
1: without leading laps. Yeah, a lap. yeah, it's pretty good, yeah. yeah, and and difficult to do. We always say that, but um,
0: I don't know if he'll finally be credited with leading the last lap or not. I don't know how that goes, but uh, uh, the, the fact is that. He has put himself in position the last five weeks to win every single race. And uh, that, that's the that's the key right now. No one else can come close to that, really. Uh, there's people that have shown speed in different ways at different tracks, but uh, Chase has been able to do it on a lot of different type tracks. So he is right now, in my mind, the, the championship favorite.
1: Also an impressive day for Ty Gibbs in his cup debut. He fills in for Kurt Busch who essentially reports that, hey, I'm, I've got these concussion-like symptoms. After he has this crash, he goes to the care center and they decide on Sunday morning, you're not cleared to race, Kurt. You got to go get checked out. And Kurt seemed fine with that. He put out a statement where he was optimistic, it seemed like, about returning next week for Indy. We're unclear on if he'll be back for Indy at this point as we speak here on late Monday afternoon. You've been through this DJ in a different era with concussions and NASCAR drivers. Uh, the the conversation has changed so much over the last two decades. I believe it was a Kansas crash in yeah. 2001 yeah, that correct. you experienced after effects for a while after yeah. that and yeah. that
0: was prior to these protocols that yeah.
1: NASCAR and other racing series have now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was uh yeah, I I lost four maybe five days of my life there and losing out when I say it, I don't remember what happened from the time I got to Kansas to after the crash happened and and uh, you know it's all just a blank memory uh, of everything uh, from that but i raced the next week at at Charlotte probably had no business in in today's world I would have not raced for at least one week and maybe not two knowing how I felt the the week after that but you know I went and and ran 500 miles at at Charlotte uh, after that and you know Made it work, I think. I actually finished somewhere around the top five or six, somewhere in that. But I applaud what they have now. Uh, my, My concern is what I saw with the crash that Kirk Bush would have concussion-like symptoms from backing the car into the wall, something's not right there. And we've heard other drivers. So that's my concern now. I I, I appreciate that we have that because you shouldn't be in a car uh, driving uh, around others at those speeds uh, when you have situations like that. So it is a good protocol that we have and a good thing in place for them. But now the concern has to be what is going on here? And and we've added a number of drivers that have been in accidents said that these feel much more severe. And so you take the fact that they're hitting safer barriers. When right. they're doing this and they're still feeling this and, and it taking days to get over, you haven't heard that in quite a while.
1: Yeah, Kurt Bush's crash did not look like the sort of, you know, right front impact no. uh, head on that yeah. we normally associate with. Oh, that's that's going to be a rough wreck for somebody. In this case, as you said, he, he lost the rear end. He hit the the rear end first and then he kind of tagged it with his right front. A yeah, little, but, but it, that wasn't it wasn't a hard hit no. at all. I mean, I obviously have not seen the G's, but let, let's get into that conversation because this this was a discussion toward the end of last year, D.J., Ryan Newman came out and said it that I don't think it influenced his decision to step away. He was still looking to come back, but he said that if he were to return, he's now no longer racing a cup. If Ryan Newman would have returned, he would have had concerns about the next-gen car and its safety levels. And as you mentioned, Dustin Long wrote a story on NBCSports.com a couple of weeks ago where he talked to Corey LaJoy and Christopher Bell and they, Joey Logano, and they all say that there's something about this car that they're feeling the hits a little bit more, even though. Justin talked to NASCAR as well, and NASCAR officials are saying the data isn't really backing that up. So, where do you think we are on that front? Yeah,
0: I I don't know. I I think that what I heard early on, well, we'll go back to last year uh, as things started to happen, that because of the things that are put into place with the rear of this race car in particular, uh, the structure of it uh, having to be so stiff to basically account for all of the new things and, and the way that the the rear suspension is done and with everything involved there it had to be much stiffer than than what was there before and some drivers that have crashed have it, the, the biggest things have have come from when they hit from the rear and 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 the side impacts are even worse than that as we heard Corey LaJoy talk about uh when he blew his tires at Charlotte so um yeah it, there's no doubt that the suspension uh, is much more rigid why it's not showing uh, up in the data that, that these hits are more severe, I, I don't know. But there's there's something to do with that impact and, and the way the seat and, and headrest are designed. And, and it's got to be looked into uh, very soon before something more than just a concussion happens. So we obviously can't change The structure of the car so what is there is there something inside with the foam that you use for the headrest and and things like this to protect these drivers a little bit more
1: and you saw nascar put a ton of resources into safety after the 2001 Daytona 500 uh, Dale Earnhardt was killed on the final lap and that was that prompted a safety revolution. So yeah. do you feel like this is something, like you said, they can't change the car at this yeah. point, but if they put enough energy and manpower into it, they can affect some change here. You feel yes, like there it? has
0: to be some change and I think they realize that and, and I think it's just a matter of, of deciding okay, what is this? I hear the drivers talk about that, that it's so violent that their head is actually hitting this foam and, and you have to have some movement in there. It's not like you can just Mm -hmm. put it up against your side because you know you have to be able to move a little bit and uh uh, but these drivers having the thought that they move their head to one side or the other uh, against the headrest as, as this impact's getting ready to happen so uh there there has to be something within that uh that that we can do better and and there are a lot of smart people out there that can figure this out, I think, and we'll see that change forthcoming as soon as they have a good idea and insight as to exactly what they can do. Certainly
1: uh, disconcerting to see uh,
0: drivers put in these situations. Another
1: disconcerting situation, the IndyCar race that I was at, at Iowa Speedway. Joseph Newgarden uh, is waiting to be evaluated Thursday, the two-time IndyCar Series champion, to see if he'll race this weekend the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, which is hosting the, the IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader this weekend. It was a complicated situation. Joseph Newgarden yeah. crashed, he got cleared, then He passed out, lost consciousness after the race, was sent uh, to be evaluated for a head injury after he fell and and hit his head, and uh, thankfully that uh, appears he escaped a head injury, but we're still waiting to see if if he'll be available this weekend, so uh, check out ABCsports.com if you want to read more about that. I know you didn't watch the IndyCar race, but I do want to talk to you about, again, IndyCar and NASCAR at IMS Road Course. And coming into this race, Jimmy Johnson, he had the best weekend of his IndyCar career. He led 19 laps in Saturday's race after he spun on lap 16 and rallied all the way back to finish 11th. And then Sunday's race, he finished a career best fifth and raced tooth and nail with guys like we have not seen him race yet in IndyCar. And... It was really cool, DJ, because Scott Dixon, six-time series champion, Pato Award, like up-and-coming superstar, won the race Sunday. They were both saying that they were watching Jimmy Johnson run lines at Iowa Speedway that they couldn't fathom. Uh-huh. And, ah. I, I mean, you, you think about it, Scott Dixon's been racing there since 2007, and you think he would know every inch of how to get around a, a track that's not even nine-tenths of a mile. Yeah. But then Jimmy Johnson comes in, never seen Iowa, and just 20 something years of oval experience and what 82 wins in NASCAR's Cup Series. He just knows how to like make cars go around ovals. Like, can you explain that? Like, how <laughs> a, he's a seven time champion, you're a, a NASCAR Cup champion. How can a driver, or a stock car driver, or an oval expert just
0: parachute in and just say, figure out, you
1: know, I think that line's going to work or that line's going to work? These guys aren't trying these lines, but I know how to get around here.
0: Yeah. And I think that if I go back to Jimmy's days in, in the Cup Series, you, you would watch and we would talk about as I raced with Jimmy early on in his career, I, I would notice him doing things a little bit different. He would take a different line, a different line, a different approach into corners and he was going about things differently and I think that everybody kept saying, well why didn't Jeff Gordon put Jimmy Johnson set up? In his car, Jimmy was outrunning Jeff uh, before Jeff retired a lot, and it's because of the way that Jimmy was approaching things. And and he just sees things differently, and some drivers have that. And, you know, I'm excited now that he's running ovals because I think that's where we can see and that people see because, you know, everybody's had – some people, I will say, not everybody, some people have had a fun time kind of saying, oh, so you're a seven-time champ, but you can't come run these road courses. Well, he's running against the best in the world, and people, a lot of people, as you pointed out, Scott Dixon being one of those, that has been doing this for a long time, you don't just come learn to drive these things, learn to drive a completely new car, and, and then do it on road courses, but when you've been on the ovals, you know, he's performed. He did very well uh, until the issue at, at Indianapolis that he performed at a high level, so I think they have a lot of respect for him whenever it comes to these ovals. It was great to see him, even though I didn't see the races, I, it was great to see when I saw the finishes, I'm like, wow you know, this is impressive, and this is the Jimmy that I know. And, and to hear those things that, that these drivers say about him tells you just how much he's respected uh, in that
1: circle. And that's great insight from you. So we've talked about this for years. Like, so – The reason a Jeff Gordon can't just put a Jimmy Johnson setup in is that he can't run those lines. Yeah, that's not what he's looking at. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Each driver looks at how I want to approach this corner and then make that car work in the center to make me a better exit to carry the most speed on the exit of the corner. So we all look at it a little bit different. So to do that, I can't just have the same setup as someone else. I have to do the things that make my car do what I want to. Kevin Harvick drives his car completely different than a lot of people, too. That's why a lot of those people at Stuart Haas can't take the things that yeah. he would do with the old car in particular and go run with Kevin Harvick at an Atlanta or somewhere like that or or Phoenix uh, especially the, the old Phoenix because he drove it a totally different way so what he could put in his car and you try to do that it's not going to work.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I've got two stories up on NBCSports.com slash motors if you want to read more about Jimmy Johnson's weekend at Iowa and he did say that he's applying a lot of those lessons from NASCAR and ovals and learning how to use the aggressiveness of the IndyCar and, and kind of mix the two and apply his experience with knowing he has to be more aggressive with this car and do well. And he also said that maybe he can take that what he learned at Iowa and how to push these cars a little bit more and use it on road course. So, yeah. this weekend... He'll, fun weekend. He'll yeah, be we'll back see. at a road course. Yeah, yeah he'll be yeah. back. IndyCar and NASCAR. you will get one more shot in an oval at Gateway in a couple weeks. But, yeah, Indy will host IndyCar and NASCAR Saturday, Sunday. Will you be I will, I'm okay. going to be
0: there. Yeah, looking forward to it. I was there a couple of years ago when we did this with Xfinity and, and the uh, the IndyCars there. So, uh, it was a great weekend. Looking forward to this also. Should be a lot of fun. I mean, three races, uh, three great races with basically... Now, three different types of cars. Yep. So uh, you can't even consider the stock cars, though, one in the same.
1: Yeah, And they've improved the track, too. So yes. hopefully,
0: uh, we'll be <laughs> in for a little bit of a shorter show, but
1: it's just as exciting and cup on Sunday. All right, DJ, as always, I appreciate that. Yep. Thanks, mate. A big thanks to Dale Jarrett for joining the NASCAR NBC podcast while he's in Charlotte for a few days before heading to Indianapolis. I also want to note that DJ was in town in part to check out his son, Zach, who is an outfielder who plays for the Gastonia Honey Hunters and has been on a torrid hot streak lately that is worth checking out. Gastonia Honey Hunters are an Atlantic League pro baseball team that plays at a new ballpark in Gastonia, which is just near Charlotte. Thanks as well to Emily Convoy and Aaron Feldstein for lining up DJ to do the NASCAR NBC podcast. Ahead of a very busy NASCAR America motormouths this past Monday, great discussions with DJ, Steve Letarte, Jeff Burton, And Dustin Long, if you missed it, you can find the replay of that episode on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. You also can find this episode of the NASCAR on NBC podcast on the NBC Motorsports YouTube channel as we almost always tape the podcast just ahead of Motormouths in the NBC Sports Charlotte studio. Motormouths airs Mondays and Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. As noted, NASCAR and IndyCar are both at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course this weekend. Myself and Dustin Long will be on-site providing coverage for NBCSports.com from both series. It's a busy Saturday on NBC, with the IndyCar race starting live at noon Eastern and rolling directly into the Xfinity Series pre-race show at 3 p.m. Eastern. Both races Saturday will be on NBC. Keep your dial there for six hours of coverage from Indianapolis Motor Speedway, both IndyCar and NASCAR. And then Sunday, the Cup Series will race the IMS Road Course for the second consecutive year, with coverage starting at 2 p.m. Eastern on NBC. All the races for IndyCar and NASCAR on NBC this weekend from Indy. If you have any NASCAR and NBC podcast feedback, you can send it to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh- races, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour.